This is your Times Daily World Briefing for Wednesday the 14th of September. I'm Sonal Patel. And I'm Laura Cook. The Queen's coffin rests at Buckingham Palace ahead of lying in state. I was very struck by the stoicism of the crowd who had stood for hours in the rain, in the pouring rain, uh, to get a final glance or a glance of the coffin as it, as it went by. And thousands line the streets of London to say their final goodbyes. Both my grandmothers, it was almost like you looked to her as your grandma instead. I felt like I had two. She's given 70 years of service without putting a foot wrong once. The Times of London. The Queen's coffin was brought back to Buckingham Palace for one last night. Around 33,000 people paid their respects over the last day and night before she left Scotland for the last time. And so to London in an RAF aircraft with the call sign Kitty Hawk, the name given to any military aircraft carrying Her Majesty the Queen, accompanied by her daughter, Princess Anne. We voiced up her statement. I was fortunate to share the last 24 hours of my dearest mother's life. It has been an honour and a privilege to accompany her on her final journeys. Witnessing the love and respect shown by so many on these journeys has been both humbling and uplifting. At RAF Northolt, she was met by Prime Minister Liz Truss. Despite the pouring rain, huge crowds lined the roads on the 14-mile journey into London. Traffic came to a standstill as people pulled up and got out of their cars to watch the Queen's hearse lit from within pass by. These people were there. I wanted to pay my respects. I brought one of my sons down so that he could see it. It's history. It's, um, it's emotional. I'm just terribly glad to be able to see her coffin pass. We owe so much to this amazing, amazing queen we've had. I've never been so close to the queen and it's like one last goodbye, I guess. But there are different views as well. I went down there and I actually didn't want to risk being arrested, so I had a blank sign. At least three people have been arrested since Charles III's proclamation. They were questioned on suspicion of breaching the peace and public order offences, sparking a debate around freedom of speech. Barrister Paul Rousland. And even then the police officer asked for my details, which I refused to give him. And then I said, you know, if, if I were to write, not my king on here, would you, uh, would I be arrested? And he said, probably yes, because it's offensive. In London, applause as the cortege finally arrived at Buckingham Palace, where the Queen's coffin rested for one last night. Within the palace were the king and queen consort and other members of the royal family, there to greet the queen for one last time before she lies in state on Wednesday. Meanwhile, rehearsals for the ceremonial procession have been taking place in the early hours of the morning. Carefully laid plans are being put into practice in London as the nation gets ready for a final farewell. Meanwhile, yesterday, King Charles III made his first visit to Northern Ireland as king. It's his 40th visit to the country, but his first as king. As he entered Hillsborough Castle, the 206 Ulster Royal Battery fired a 21-gun salute. 
The king greeted senior politicians. Sinn Féin's Michelle O'Neill spoke to him of his mother's contribution. We played a great role here in terms of reconciliation and building peace, so it's the end of an era for sure. King Charles talked of his mother's role in bringing peace in Northern Ireland. My mother saw Northern Ireland pass through momentous and historic changes. Through all those years, she never ceased to pray for the best of times for this place and its people, whose stories she knew, whose sorrows our family had felt, and for whom she had a great affection and regard. At St Anne's in Belfast, people of all faiths joined the King and the Queen Consort in a service of reflection for the life of Queen Elizabeth. His Majesty's visits to Scotland, Northern Ireland and on Friday, Wales, is a statement of intent to put the Union at the heart of all he does. We look now at what happens in London as Queen Elizabeth's coffin returns to Buckingham Palace. On Wednesday afternoon, the Prince of Wales and the Duke of Sussex will walk with their father, the King, behind Queen Elizabeth's coffin on a procession to Westminster Hall. Her Majesty will leave the palace at 2.20 on Wednesday for the final time for the lying in state. Hundreds of thousands of people are expected to file past the coffin between late Wednesday afternoon and early Monday morning, with visitors being warned to expect airport-style security and strict limitations on what they can bring. Government guidance says the queue is expected to be very long, with people standing for many hours, possibly overnight, and with very little opportunity to sit down. Talk TV's political editor, Kate McCann, outlines what the plans are. Many thousands of people, maybe as many as a million, who decide to queue over the next couple of days will be well catered for. There will be loos down there, there'll be access to food and drink, you'll get a wristband if you want to leave that queue. And the intention is to try and get as many people through as possible. The atmosphere, though, inside Westminster Hall, that incredibly historic part of the palace, will be still and crucially silent. Former Detective Superintendent at the Metropolitan Police, Shabnam Chow, says there'll be far more to the security operation than cooperating with other police forces. You've got the logistical challenges of when you've got dignitaries that are also coming through, so you've got uh, protection officers for them, for their own country, you've got to uh, try and manage that at the same time, you've got security issues that you may have to consider, you've got to look at your intelligence, you've got to look at potentially any counter-terrorism issues and all these things have got to be considered in that short space of time. The queue is expected to stretch over 3,500 miles through central London. A wristband system will manage the crowds and toilets and water fountains will be provided along the route. This is the moment where members of the public can say their final goodbyes. Drew has come all the way from Minnesota on behalf of his elderly mother, who's originally from the UK. She's 82, and the thought of standing outside in the rain for 24 hours oddly did not appeal to her, and so she asked me if I would come in her proxy. So it was important for her, and it's important for me to honour the Queen. Mourners are already lining up near Lambeth Bridge. The Times science editor, Tom Whipple, is number 22 in the queue. He started patiently waiting yesterday afternoon. When I went to bed last night, in inverted commas, um, it was... I, I think we're about 120 odd people in it. I, I think a lot have arrived overnight. But, you know, we gained that couple of hundred paces by shivering in the damp and cold all night. So uh, Her Majesty would be proud of us. 
On the way, France loses a national treasure. The Times of London. We head now to Ukraine, where troops are piling pressure on Russian soldiers as they press deeper into occupied territory. The country's border guard services say they've taken control of Vovchansk, a town just two miles from Russia. It was an area that was seized on the first day of the war. Moscow has acknowledged it recently withdrew from areas in the northeastern region of Kharkiv and that troops were also pulling out from Melitopol in Ukraine's southern Zaporizhia region. The Times of London's correspondent Richard Spencer is in Ukraine and says locals explained why the Russians fled. Quite remarkable stories of people you know, standing on their doorsteps watching the, the Russians retreat through the town. Um, they blew up the bridge as they went. But it did come after 24 hours of an artillery barrage from the Ukrainians, which uh, they said was incredibly striking in its inaccuracy. For the previous day, the Russian positions in the town had been hit with incredible pinpoint precision. The you know anti-aircraft batteries were struck in the road. Ukraine's president revealed full security is being restored to areas taken back from Russian control. In his nightly address, Vladimir Zelensky says it's important normal life returns there. As of now, stabilization measures are completed in an area of 4,000 square kilometers, in a liberated area of about the same size where stabilization measures are still ongoing. Remnants of occupation forces and saboteur groups are being uncovered. Collaborators are being arrested. Full security is re-established. Jim Townsend is a former deputy U.S. Secretary of Defense for Europe and NATO. He explains Vladimir Putin's forces haven't conducted an orderly retreat, and that can be infectious. This is a rout, and a rout can be like a virus. It can spread among troops that are not on the front lines, uh, and it's very hard to control unless you have leadership on the ground, uh, and also you've got well-trained troops that have some discipline to hold a defensive line and to stop the rout. Western officials believe Russia is likely to continue its surprise retreat from areas of Ukraine until Kyiv's forces recapture an area nearly half the size of Wales. Meanwhile, US President Joe Biden's predicting a long haul ahead and has indicated the United States is likely to announce a new military aid package in coming days. The Times Daily World Briefing. Sport. Now with the latest on the biggest running event in the United States, here's John Jackson. The Boston Marathon has become the latest competition to allow non-binary athletes to compete without having to register in either the men's or the women's divisions. Sign-ups for the United States' most popular running event opened on Monday, with runners hoping to compete next April required to meet strict qualifying times. The Boston Athletic Association said that because it does not yet have enough data to establish non-binary qualifying times, it will use standards applied to the women's division. The Brooklyn Marathon and Half Marathon had over 80 finishers in the non-binary division of its April 2022 races and is one of over 200 races in the US to introduce similar categories. The Times Daily World Briefing. Entertainment. President Macron says France has lost a national treasure after the death of influential filmmaker Jean-Luc Godard. He was 91. He chose to die at home in Switzerland through assisted suicide. 
Goddard was the godfather of France's new wave cinema and shot to fame in the 1960s with a film A bout de souffle, Breathless. No one had seen anything like it, shot like a documentary and full of jump cuts. Goddard tore up the filmmaking rule book. In an interview, he was asked what he was against. Everything, he said, against all cinema, to break all taboos, to prove the impossible was possible. Part French, part Swiss, Jean-Luc Godard started as a film critic. His new wave films were revolutionary. He collaborated with the likes of the Rolling Stones in a documentary taking people behind the scenes. The Catholic Church, though, condemned his take on the virgin birth as heresy. Quentin Tarantino, though, said Goddard did to movies what Dylan did to music. Total reinvention. And that's your Times Daily World Briefing for Wednesday, the 14th of September. This podcast from The Times is brought to you in partnership with Google Podcasts.